the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. God does this to reveal himself. He knocks it down to the foundation, wipes it out all the way down to the ground. And the purpose of it is so that you shall know that I am the Lord. And again, I think there's application in our lives as well. Sometimes God's got to tear things down, right? Sometimes he's got to knock it down to the foundation to get us to call upon his name. Right? Because we can be so stiff-necked and so hard-hearted. And that's what it takes to get us to call out to Him. It can be easy to think that you alone can be righteous and good. But in today's message, Pastor Dan warns against this type of thinking. This thinking often leads to sin, which hinders your relationship with the Lord. Be careful to not build your own kingdom, for as unfair as it might seem... Sometimes God has to tear things down to get you to call upon His name. So humble yourself and admit that you can't do it alone. Trust in the one who made you, for His ways are always righteous and good. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Ezekiel chapter 13 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. God says here, these self-proclaimed prophets, they actually spoke nonsense. They spoke uh, lies. It was what they were saying was futile, was empty, it was worthless. And God says he is against them. And he says that they will basically be cut off from his people and that they would not return back to the land of Israel. They will die there in Babylon. And he says, then you will know that I am the Lord. So he's doing this to reveal himself to them. Verse 10, because they have seduced my people, saying peace when there is no peace. And look what it says now. One builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar. Say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be flooding rain and you O great hailstones shall fall, and a stormy wind shall tear it down. Surely, when the wall has fallen, will it not be said to you, well, where is the mortar with which you plastered it? He says here, going back up to verse 10, that these false prophets seduce the people with their nonsense. Their message was seductive. Their message was uh, enticing To people, because their message was a message of peace, that there would be peace, that God will bring peace. Their message was don't despair, God's going to deliver us. God's going to deliver Jerusalem. God's going to deliver those in exile and bring them back. God will defeat the Babylonians, and there will be peace 
in the land. Again, the false prophets told the people what they wanted to hear. That's why it was so seductive. Because that's what they want to hear. That's what they wanted to be told. It was a message of optimism and confidence and, and victory. That's why people liked it. You may not remember this because it just seems like things are happening so fast these days. But just back in March, just March, you guys remember March, right? Right as all of this stuff was getting started and things were beginning to shut down, there were two false prophets that made national news. That Their stories were on CNN and Fox News because these two false prophets said that God told them that there's not going to be a pandemic and that the coronavirus will be stopped by God and it's not going to become a global pandemic. We've forgotten about that. Isn't that what we wanted to hear back in March? I mean, we wish that that was true, right? That the global pandemic would be stopped and it wasn't going to spread and it wasn't going to happen, that it would end in March. You see, the, the false prophets, they tell people what they want to hear. It's enticing. It's seductive. It sounds really good. And the false prophets in Ezekiel's day were declaring peace. When God says there was no peace, there is not going to be peace. In fact, God's message was judgment is on the way unless you repent and turn back to me. Not a message of peace. And the people who believed the message of the false prophets in Ezekiel day, they were completely surprised and unprepared when judgment came. Because they were expecting peace. The Apostle Paul tells us that in the last days, before God judges the earth again in the tribulation period, false prophets will once again declare peace and safety on the earth. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. As labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. People will once again expect peace when God's judgment falls upon the earth. And they will be caught by surprise by the judgment. God says here the false prophets, look at it again. God says that the false prophets, they build a wall, again, he's speaking figuratively, and they plaster it with untempered mortar, he says in verse 11. Again, he's using this illustration, this symbolism of a wall around the nation, a wall of righteousness that's been breached. It's got gaps in it. And instead of standing in the gap and standing for righteousness, Using this imagery and continuing with this imagery, he says now these false prophets have just filled in the gaps with flimsy materials. They've just plastered over the gaps with drywall plaster. It looks strong. It looks sturdy. It looks like a fix, but it's not going to stand. Their solution looks good. Their solution sounds good, but it's not going to work. It's going to fail big time. And again, I think about our own nation and the crisis that we've been going through as a nation and the world's been going through. And I'm convinced it is a spiritual issue and it requires a spiritual answer and a spiritual solution. And you're going to have people that are proposing all these ways we can solve all the problems we've got going on. And it's just plastering over the hole in the wall. 
And it may sound good, and it may look good, and it may, you know, but it's not going to stand. It's not going to work because it's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual problem. It needs a spiritual solution. You're just plastering over the hole. And when the storm comes, as described here, when the storm comes, that plaster is not going to hold up. It's not going to work. And the storm here that he describes, it is in verse 13. This is God's judgment that he's going to bring at the hands of the Babylonians. He's going to use the Babylonians uh, to bring this judgment. In fact, if you're a note taker, verse 13, this is a little uh, Bible nerd thing for you. Uh, The word hailstones, it is not the typical word that's used in, in Hebrew for hailstones. Uh, This is a word that only appears here in Ezekiel. The word that's used here for stones that he uses is actually a word from Babylon. And it's a word for a type of stone that is found in Babylon that the Babylonians used to make their utensils and bowls and cups. It was a very common type of stone that was used for everyday items in Babylon. And so he's indicating here and the readers in Ezekiel's day would have understood. He's talking about Babylon here, that that's going to be the storm that comes will be the Babylonians. And this storm's going to come and it's just going to wipe out everything they've done. And this reminds me of the parable that Jesus told about the two houses in Matthew chapter 7, where he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock, and though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. And the idea there with building your house upon sand, it's the sand of a dry riverbed, a wadi, that during the rainy season, that riverbed's going to flood. So they build their house in a dry riverbed during the dry season. But then when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Right. So the the one person built a house on the bedrock, on the rock, on the solid foundation. The other person didn't. They built their house upon the sand. They both looked fine. They both looked sturdy and strong. But once the storm came, The house built upon the sand was washed away. And here he says they simply just plastered over the holes in the walls and it looked nice and it looked fine until the storm came. And then it failed. It's not going to hold up. And often it's not until the storm comes or the time of crisis comes that we realize that the plans of man don't really stand, can't really hold up. You can't just patch over something and expect it to last. So verse 13. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will cause a stormy wind to break forth in my fury and there shall be a flooding rain in my anger and great hailstones and fury to consume it. So I will break down the wall you have plastered with untempered mortar and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be uncovered. And it will fall. And you shall be consumed in the midst of it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. 
Again, God does this to reveal himself. He knocks it down to the foundation, wipes it out all the way down to the ground. And the purpose of it is so that you shall know that I am the Lord. And again, I think there's application in our lives as well. Sometimes God's got to tear things down, right? Sometimes he's got to knock it down to the foundation to get us to call upon his name, right? Because we can be so stiff-necked and so hard-hearted. And that's what it takes to get us to call out to him. Verse 15, thus will I accomplish my wrath on the wall and on those who have plastered it with untempered mortar. And I will say to you, the wall is no more, nor those who plastered it. That is the prophets of Israel, again, the false prophets, who prophesy concerning Jerusalem and who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace Says the Lord, God will destroy the works of the false prophets and he will destroy the false prophets as well. Warren Wearsby said, the counterfeit prophets gave the people a false hope and so God gave them no hope at all. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. So now that brings us to verse 17. And beginning in verse 17, God speaks against the false prophetesses, female prophets uh, here. Uh, Again, these are false prophets. These are women who claim to be speaking for God, but they weren't. Now, there are many examples in the Bible of women who have the gift of prophecy or female prophets or prophetess. Uh, You see Miriam in the book of Exodus. She is described as a prophetess. Deborah in the book of Judges. Uh, Huldah in 2 Kings 22. Uh, the wife of Isaiah the prophet also had the gift of prophecy. So Isaiah and his wife (laughs) both had the gift of prophecy. Could you imagine being a kid growing up in that house, right? Where both of your parents have the gift of prophecy. You couldn't get away with anything in that house. I mean, how many times did Isaiah's kids hear, thus saith the Lord, you know? All right, mom, I hear you. Kind of thing. In the New Testament, in Luke chapter 2, Anna is described as a prophetess. And in Acts chapter 21, the four daughters of Philip are described as prophetesses as well. So we see women in the Bible that have this gift of prophecy, speaking forth the word of God to people. But these are false prophets here. Uh, verse 17 says, likewise, son of man, Set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart. Prophesy against them and say, thus says the Lord God, woe to the women who sow 
magic charms on their sleeves and make veils for the heads of people out of every height to hunt souls. Will you hunt the souls of my people and keep yourselves alive? Verse 19. And will you profane me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread, killing people who should not die and keeping people alive who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. These women, they also were giving prophecies out of their own heart, not from God. It's not God's word. It's out of their own heart. He mentions here that they, in verse 18, they sewed magic charms on their sleeves and they made veils for the heads of the people. These are things that they got from the Babylonians. These were things that the Babylonian sorcerers and diviners used in their pagan sorcery. And I want you to note this here. God doesn't see these things as just harmless practices or innocent things. He says here that they use these things to hunt souls. To hunt souls. You know, the Bible says that things like sorcery and witchcraft and divination, it's not harmless. The Bible says it defiles our soul to engage in those things. And he says, they profane me. They profane God. Verse 19, and will you profane me among my people? They profane God. Now, how are they profaning God? What they're doing is they are taking these practices from these other gods, these other religions, you know, the sorcery uh, practices of the Babylonians, and they're mixing it in with their worship of God. And it profanes God by doing that. Anytime uh, we try to mix in something from some other religion or some other gods uh, or some form of sorcery, uh, or we try to Christianize it. You see that sometimes? Uh, like, like, I'll give you an example. Like Christian yoga, for example. Well, yoga is a form of pagan worship. But if we Christianize it and do, you know, do yoga while we're listening to praise and worship music, right? It was very popular. Well, we're actually profaning God. Because what we're doing now is we're bringing God down to the same level as these other gods, and putting them all on the same level, same plane, and we profane the name of the Lord. Now, the New Testament says, you know, what fellowship do light and darkness have in common? Right? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? And the answer is none. There's no agreement between them. But when we try to make them agree, when we try to synchronize them together, we're actually bringing God down and profaning the name of of God And God says, you will profane me among my people. He says, for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread, these female false prophets, uh, they charged for their services. They charged, you know, a handful of barley, a few pieces of bread, very small fee for their divination and to receive, you know, a, a quote unquote word from God from them. This reminds me of when you see the signs of like the palm readers 
And have you seen the signs? You, you see them driving around sometimes, the palm readers, and it's like $5 or $10 to have your palm read. They're charging so little. We'll hear these false prophets were charging so little, just a few pieces of bread or a handful of barley for their service. Verse 20 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against your magic charms by which you hunt souls. They're like birds. I will tear them from your arms and let the souls go, the souls you hunt like birds. I will also tear off your veils and deliver my people out of your hand and they shall no longer be as prey in your hand. And then he says, then you shall know that I am the Lord. Again, God's desire is to reveal himself to everyone. Even these false prophets, he wants them to know who he is. Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad. Whom I have not made sad. And you have strengthened the hands of the wicked. So that he does not turn from his wicked way to save his life. This verse to me is so applicable. You know, through their lies, the righteous are made sad or the righteous are discouraged by the falsehood and the deception that they see going on in their nation. And isn't that true today? Like when you see deception happening in our nation, it just grieves your heart, discourages us. And at the same time, that same deception and lies and falsehood in a nation, the wicked are strengthened and emboldened in the nation by the lies and by the falsehood. It's also true. Wicked people are emboldened by falsehood in a nation and deception in a nation. Therefore, verse 23, you shall no longer envision futility nor practice divination For I will deliver my people out of your hand and you shall know that I am the Lord. What a glorious promise here. God promises he will deliver his people out of their hand. And for us as believers in Jesus Christ, we know the Bible tells us that one day Jesus will descend in the clouds with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And we who are alive and remain upon the earth at that time will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And one day Jesus will deliver us, right? He's going to deliver us out of this world. And he's going to take us to heaven to dwell with him in his father's house and That where he is, there we may be also, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. And Paul says, comfort one another with these words. That that's the comfort, that that's the blessed hope for the believer in Jesus Christ. And that's the great comfort to us, that one day Jesus will come for us, and Jesus will deliver us, and take us to heaven to be with him. 
We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Ezekiel together. If you'd like to hear this message again or more from Pastor Dan, feel free to visit our website at calvaryec.com. You can listen to and download a wide range of previous broadcasts or simply subscribe to our podcast. Sometimes life can get busy. And when it gets busy, it can be hard to find the time to dig deeper into the Bible for ourselves. At Ring of Truth, we've tried to make it a bit easier for you. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you go. This way, you'll have encouragement from God's Word throughout the day. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life. So please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. We'd also love to be praying for you. So when you call, feel free to share any prayer requests that are on your heart, and we'd be happy to pray with and for you. Well, that's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Dan continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Ezekiel, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes It's true.